0: Topo Athletic is committed to lifelong health and better movement. Topo builds running shoes for those who get out there every day regardless of weather, speed, energy, or mood. Their distinctive fit and feel combines instinctive human movement with modern performance and lightweight comfort to help you keep going, keep trying, and keep moving. Discover the Topo difference and step into a run experience unlike any other. Everybody, welcome to our Tuesday Fireside Chats. We are going to have a returning guest. His name is Brandon Hozak, and let me invite him here while I give him his introduction. Because one of the things we have found is when we uh, ask our uh, guests to give us their uh, story, they are very humble about it. And so instead, I'm going to introduce Brandon in a way that's going to be the way he would describe himself, I should say, not better than he is. So Brandon Hozak is an ultra runner and a tattoo artist. Make sure you check out both of his accounts. Um, and he is living life to the fullest, despite uh, battling AS. His motto actually is "battle tested," and I want him to explain that a little bit more as we get into the conversation. But first off, Brandon, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today, man?
1: Hey. hey, I'm doing great, dude.
0: It's good to see you again, man. No kidding. I I was introducing you and saying that this is your second time on the show. So we're you know we had a great turnout the last time you were here. We had a fun conversation. Uh, As a matter of fact, in almost every conversation we've had since then, somebody's like, is it okay if I curse? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, fucking curse. You know, we we tell a story about how when I cursed on a show, you are like, wait a minute, we can curse here? And I was like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, dude. That was awesome. I I remember that. That was funny. appreciate you. uh, Again, thank you very much for joining us. For those of you that don't know, we're going to kind of go backwards to go forwards a little bit in this conversation. Brandon uh, went to Cocodona earlier this year and he didn't finish it. We're going to talk about the lessons that he learned from that, but I want to go into from Cocodona what he did next or his next two things and how that's going to lead into going to Cocodona again in 2024. So take us through, Brandon, if you don't mind, what happened at Cocodona that you took into the Hell's Bells fifty miler, and then we'll talk about Cascades one hundred after that. Because Hell's Bells was after Cocodona was the first race after Cocodona. Yeah. Um, so in in,
1: in Cocodona, I learned that I don't get the luxury of resting for very long or for very often. Op- very often, and. I need to earn uh, like my my breaks, like my rest. And so like when I come into an aid station, it doesn't mean I get to rest. I have to like plan ahead. And if I move um, at this pace and I get to say like the third aid station at this time, then I can take a break. So, um, I, I have I have learned how to go for a long period of time without resting and, like, really earning that rest. And so I I, I learned that in Cocodona. And so in Hell's Bells, I didn't rest until I think I had, I, like, past 50K was, like, the first time that I, like, actually, like, let myself rest at an aid station because um, there was, like, one cutoff time there. And so I had plenty of time to, like, sit sit down and get some food and and talk because and, like i love aid stations dude <laughs> like it's a problem it's a problem you know <laughs> like I, I could sit in an aid station and bullshit for hours
0: well dude you're out there for hours on end mostly by yourself right yeah and finally come up upon an aid station and it's like that human connection you just want to have yeah. it and embrace it <laughs> I, I don't
1: know i don't know what's more upsetting like not getting to rest or not getting to like bullshit with the aid station people it's sad it's like I come in and I get my shit I leave it's like I leave and I'm sad every time but I know that like I'm I'm working towards a bigger break somewhere and so I learned that in Cocodona and then I, I did that at Hell's Bells and I did that at Oregon Cascades 100 and um, that's the way that I have to race and, and so it's like I'm I'm coming to like terms with like I don't get to enjoy every aid station. But but if I want to
0: finish a race, that's how I have to race. So can you explain to the people why uh you have to do what you do? And I'm guessing it's because of the AS. Uh, and I and I want people to understand what it is, you know, that you're dealing with so they understand why you're why you're going through what you're going through.
1: Uh yeah, so AS uh I have a Autoimmune disease. It's called ankylosing spondylitis, and it's uh it's like a rare form of arthritis, and it affects primarily your spine, um, usually like L5 S1, like your lower back, and it causes uh, your bones to to fuse together, and then it, it like brings about like immo- like you're immobile, like like bending over for me is like really hard sometimes, and, and um. like it's the goal of the disease is to like keep you from moving and so like you have to do the opposite you have to move as much as possible and um i have found as long as like i'm moving and i'm not in a fixed position then like the disease can be manageable um to a certain extent but also there's like a side of like a mental side of the the disease where it kind of um, has a way of taking things away from you in your life, and if I can run thirty miles or eighty miles or what like that's empowering i i'm taking back what that disease takes from me and like running is just it's just like a vehicle that I use to to take these things back that a s has taken from me and I'm just trying to share that with others that like hey we can we can still do like like anything we want it's just like it's going to look a little bit different and it's going to take a little bit more work but like like we're capable
0: of doing things that that a lot of humans are not doing yeah so that's awesome and and so i want to go back to the aid station thing because i just as you're talking the only thing playing in my mind is like what's the best aid station this dude has been at and how much fun did he have do you remember uh let me see man
1: Honestly, I think probably my favorite aid station was I was pacing Hellgate, at Bigfoot in August. And I don't know what mile we were at or I don't know what aid station we were at. It was in the middle of the night and like he fell asleep in the chair. Uh, but dude, they had a huge fire going and they like had like people coming up and they're like, do you want a hamburger? Do you want chicken strips? Like everything was like made to order dude. And it was like hot and they had like several like like, places where they were cooking and like everything was like brought to me. It was fucking incredible, dude. I could have sat there. I like, like, he only wanted to stay, you know, for like 15 minutes. I'm like, dude, like take a two hour nap, man. (laughs)
0: Uh, I will tell you. So one of my favorite, uh, stations. I was pacing a friend of mine, Greg, at Cruel Jewel in Georgia. And we're, we're going up this, like, just totally vertical climb. And it looks like there were Edison lights hanging above us. And I was like, oh, the A station's got to be right there. Then we finally break through, and it was the tree line. And what we actually saw were stars. Oh. So the next A station, oh. like, 10 or 15 miles. Oh, man. I, there, just like that, man. They had... And 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 I eat a vegan diet, so they had like vegan hot dogs and vegan burgers, and and it was so good. Oh, so and, good! Like So good. Greg was like, "I'm gonna sit here for like 20 minutes, man." I was like good. Let's rest and relax and and eat all we can before we have to trudge dude, the next it, 20. 30 it's like those like, like those
1: 20 minutes are like like you they. I don't know, it's like you're getting the most out of those minutes of your life ever when you've gone that far
0: and, like, food is hot. And it, I don't know, dude. That you know what I'm talking about. The A-Station folks, like you mentioned, they're, they're awesome. Because they know you've been out there for 20, 30, 40, depending on how long the race is. And they are just, like, catering to you and having fun with you and laughing. Just like someone,
1: like someone asking, like, do you want something to drink? And then bringing it to you is like fucking incredible. It's like, oh my
0: <laughs> so are you finding that, like, because you got to keep moving to to get to the finish lines and not being able to stay the issues? are you just loading up? You know, your pack with tons of shit now. Yeah. Then?
1: my pack is heavy,
0: dude. Yeah. And
1: um, I've gotten better at like really calculating like what I need to eat and when, so I can carry less. And, uh, when I get to aid stations, dude, like I eat like a, like I can eat, like I can eat a ton and I do that way I can carry a little bit less. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, and it's like, I have dietary problems too. So like dairy and gluten are really hard on me until I get to like a certain point in the race when my body's like can digest stuff faster. It seems like, um, but yeah, I carry a ton of shit, dude. And, um, but it's like i've i've gotten better at trying to minimize that by by racing smarter and like i remember in cocodona when i like kind of came to after sleeping a, like a day and like looking through my pack i'm like fuck man there's so much shit in here that like i don't need like i'm like where did i, I even get this <laughs> so i've gotten much better at like, like being more, uh, my buddy, you know, you know, Matt that I talk about on Instagram a lot, Yeah. like being more
0: tactical in my approach, like bring what you're going to need. So, so let's, let's use a 50 miler as an example. What's the first thing you're loading from a food perspective, nutrition perspective into your pack for a 50 miler? Um, like
1: anything dude, where like, it, I'm going to be out for 10 miles or longer on a section. Okay. Um, I like to bring like some spring energies because yeah. they have they have high calorie. Yeah. And then um I bring uh, Lara bars. I always bring those. Yeah. And then uh,
0: peanut just peanut butter sandwich and chips. <laughs> so I have a story for you. So we were talking about aid stations. So a, a few years ago, I raced Lake Sonoma fifty, and I got to the halfway mark in like five hours, and I'm like. Perfect. I'll be done in like eleven, twelve hours for the fifty mile. Would be great. Coming back took me almost nine fucking oh, hours to finish. Damn. Yeah, it was brutal. I got to this one aid station, and I was like, I just need to sit down. It was so hot. And this lady's like, Would you like something to eat? I was like, Oh, I'll take one of those, you know, squares of peanut butter and jelly. Like this thing had been sitting out in the sun all day, and so like the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you gave me might as well have been a brick. Like it was awful, and it was. After all this time all I wanted was something soft and chewable and she gave me like crusty yeah. ratty stable bread it felt like.
1: Oh yeah, dude, it's like you, you're going for that long and that far and it's like it's like you're you're working hard for like, oh I just want like ginger ale with ice in it and they don't have ice <laughs> and it's like your like your world has just been like crushed, dude. It's
0: crushing it's like it's hard enough as it is and then you add that on top of it. Yeah. Like, this yeah 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 dude so how do you roll then how do you roll hell's bells 50 into the cascades 100 then because you had you finished the hell's bells 50 and so now did you register for uh the cascades before hell's bells or did you
1: register after because you finished- uh, so i came home from cocodona and i registered for cocodona like two days later and then like three or four days later i was like i need to run 100 miles like i need to go 100 miles and so i registered for oregon cascades and then uh hell's bells is like basically in my backyard and i'm really good friends with the uh the people that own the race company so like i just do that one every year okay and so i, I like i knew i was going to do that one um but I, that was a good one dude because it was so hot it was so hot And it's the first, like, I was having a really good race, but it was the first time uh, where I had got, like, got nauseous from the heat, and I was like, if I don't slow down, I may not uh, finish, because I just, it got so hot, and so I had to slow down, and that was, like, really, like, the first race I feel like I've, like, actually, like, like, made smart decisions, like, you know, like, it you you can have a better race if you if you try and race smarter. Yeah, so it's, it's not Yeah, it's not all about just like fucking destroying yourself. Like there is some tactics to this.
0: Yeah. So, so when you race like when you raced at uh, Oregon Cascades, do you have? did you have a pacer? Do you have a pacer? No. And I I learned
1: that in uh Kocadona. um like for me less is more. Okay. And i wanted to go do the oregon cascades by myself i didn't want anyone to pace me and it was just my girlfriend that crewed me and uh she did awesome like so good and helped me to have such a good race um but i, I when i'm by my, i learned that when i'm alone it's like i hold myself more accountable okay. to what i'm trying to do and what my goals are and i felt in cocodona like when i had a pacer almost like oh they'll they'll do some of the work for me or they'll do they'll keep me on track for this and and i don't i didn't like the way it made me feel um and i just like i function better when i'm alone and and i like you know i love like west plate and i have a uh, my buddy dave stenchfield uh, they do all these 200s alone and, uh, now I don't want to like drop bag the whole thing, dude. <laughs> I I, I want to have a crew, you know? Yeah. But, but, uh, and I think next year at Cocodone, I'm going to have just like one or two pacers for like long sections where I'm going to be sleep deprived. Yep. But other than that, dude, I just, I, I prefer to be alone.
0: Yeah. Do you think, and I understand that completely, because I know at Cocodona, I was, my concerns oftentimes shifted to the pacer who was there with me, and like, are, how are they doing? Are they getting enough food? Are they getting enough calories and liquids? And at some, time, some point, you're like, I really just need to worry about myself. Am I eating my drink? Yeah. I totally understand. So when you were going through the Oregon Cascades, was there, were you, as you were progressing through it, were you like yeah, I got this. I can fucking do this by myself. Uh,
1: I knew and to be real honest and like I don't mean this like in an arrogant way or anything, but it's like coming from what happened in Cocodona, I had I had of course like respect for the hundred mile yeah. distance, but I didn't have a, a lot of concern as far as finishing it. Like I, I knew I would finish it no, like I just, I didn't know how it could possibly be as bad as Cocodona. Like, and it was, it was only like 12,000 feet of gain. And like the trails were just like super nice. And I, it was hot. I didn't feel like shit all the way until like mile 65. I felt terrible. And I mean, the whole first day, I just like, every time I ate, I just wanted to throw up. But it's like, you just, you learn to work through those things and know that it's going to go away. And that's part of the racing that I enjoy is is working through those like low moments, you know?
0: Yeah. But I knew. So,
1: oh, go no, ahead. Go ahead. You um, knew. I knew going into Oregon Cascades that like, if I did exactly what I wrote down on my little piece of paper, that I would be fine.
0: So who's holding out to that piece of paper, you or your girlfriend who was crewing? So we each okay. had one. Okay.
1: And then I, st- I have mine hanging up now. And I would just uh, text her. Like, hey, I just left this aid station. I'm X X minutes ahead. And then I would uh, come in and I would be like, okay, I earned a 20-minute break. Okay. So I I always have – I think the closest I got to the cutoff was, like, an hour and 15 minutes. And, like, I really wanted to rest, dude. Like, I felt like shit. It was at mile, like, 57. And a bunch of my friends were running the aid station. And, (laughs) dude – I went, like, way far away from the aid station. I went way into the parking lot, so I wasn't around anybody. So I wasn't tempted to stay. And, and, like, I ate, ate, and I changed, and I left. And it's, like, that's how I have to race. And it just sometimes it sucks. But I knew that Oregon Cascades was going to be a good race. And, like, my determination to finish after what happened to Cocodona was, like, I'm like – as high as it could be like i mean you know yeah
0: so you brought up a good you brought up a topic a really good topic of you know you said you changed clothes and just the other day i was on threads the twitter version for instagram uh, and somebody asked about changing clothes at 100 miles, 200 miles 250 miles and at 100 miles I never change shoes or socks I don't have I've, i never have um and at cocodone i changed after the first day into a new pair of shoes, and then I wore those shoes the rest of the entire time. So are you changing for comfort, or are you changing because of like a medical need to, to deal with AS that uh, you're going along?
1: No, I, so I like to just have, I like to get a dry shirt. Okay. Um, like, that's one of the things that I like, I work really hard for, like, to get to these aid stations is like a dry shirt. And then um, that aid station I was getting, uh, I got all my night gear, so I was like changed into uh my night stuff um but like, like i don't change i didn't change underwear or anything like that, and then I changed uh, uh shoes at like mile eighty four um, but i don't I don't think I really needed to
0: okay and
1: so so i I think like for me like just like you just said like for a hundred miles like I don't need to change shoes and socks and and I learned in Cocodona that, like, like you like, don't change at every aid. Like, just because you're at an aid station doesn't mean you have to do a ton yeah. of shit. Like, you can just eat, eat and fill up your water bottles and leave. Yep. So, so like, yep. Uh, yeah, like, less is, less is more,
0: dude. Less is more. We have a question from the audience. Uh, Demaho00 asks, what shoe oh, do you wear? Hey, what's up, dude? Uh.
1: Uh, ultra Olympus five is my favorite shoe. And every time that I try something different, I'm like, why do I keep trying something different? <laughs> and so the hundred mile race, I, I use those. And, um, so that's like, in C- coca this year, that's a, I'm the only shoe I'm planning on wearing.
0: I'll answer the question. So I, I've run the majority of my races in Hoka's. Um, but I've recently been wearing the Nike Wild Horse, and I really enjoy that shoe for the trails, Um, and I'm going to get myself a pair of Topo Mountain Racers here real Uh, soon.
1: I have been wanting to try Topos, because my dad loves them, Helgi loves them, uh, I know West Plate loves them, it's like, I mean,
0: I I do want to try some Topos. Yeah, like, I know, like, I I don't really know much about Ultra, but with Topo, they have the wide toe box as well, and they actually have a little bit of heel-to-toe drop. A lot of their shoes are about 5 millimeters, give or take. So not maximal, like 12 millimeters, but, you know, minimal but not zero, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: I, I will. I am going to try a pair of Topos when I need to replace some of the shoes I have now. But if I could pick one shoe, it would be the LM5.
0: That's awesome. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, they are Hoka Ultra Love uh-huh. Child. That's uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. Appreciate that. Um, so, I find it fascinating, right? Like, you're racing 100 milers, I'm racing 100 milers. We're obviously different people. And I think what's fascinating about this is that we do things differently, and then there are a lot of things the same. Um, and so, one of the things I want to go into is because I've raced Coca as well you learned from this year's coca that you're going to take into next year's coca Donna, both from a training perspective as well as from a racing perspective um well
1: let's do you want to talk about racing or training first because it's like i'm doing things so differently this year let's, that we should talk each one separately let's talk about training first so training so this year i have a coach um my, but, uh, my good buddy, runner plumber, he started a coaching company, um, called Reaper running and I'm his first, um, student or whatever you want to call me. Uh, I don't, I don't really classify myself as an athlete, but whatever. Uh, and he writes my training plans and then they get emailed to me the day before. And I look at it and dude, like. I was always, like, no anti-coach. I like to do things myself, and unfortunately, when you do things yourself, you learn the hard way, and I I learned the hard way last May, and I have a coach now, and, dude, if you're thinking about a coach, get a coach. Like, it has changed the way that I can, like, I can do everything, and way less time, like, like, quality over quantity now like last year um last year i just would go out and beat the hell out of myself dude like six hours seven hours back-to-back 50ks like seven like didn't matter like yep. whatever this yep. year it's like, like tomorrow i have like one hour workout it's a 15 minute warm-up 40 minutes of hill repeats five minute cool down
0: yeah
1: or, or whatever and And then, like, my longest workout right now is two hours. And – but it's, like, that's what helped me to do so well at the Oregon Cascades is, like, I'm learning how to actually run. Like, in Cocodona, like, I didn't know how to run. Like, I'm good at just, like, enduring pain. Yeah. And, um, like, I can climb for days, dude. Like, I love to climb. But I I can't run for shit. And (laughs) – so now with a coach, it's like, I'm actually getting fit. And yeah. I feel,
0: feel that fitness. I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. You do realize how illicit sounds when you tell somebody I can't run for shit and you cover 142 miles, right? <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: it's like, but it's like running like a nine-minute mile last year, I couldn't do it to save my life, you know? And now it's like I can, I can do that. And that's because I have a coach and I'm training uh, – much smarter yeah for coca donor this year.
0: And um so. how much training getting involved in your uh training plans? Do you know? Has have you gone like going to the gym and, and doing squats and lunges and all that kind of stuff? Oh weight training? Yeah.
1: Uh so I started lifting weights and I swear by that now dude. I don't I don't lift like five days a week. Right. I don't lift like super heavy but like and I, and I primarily lift like just my lower body and like abs and um, I, I think it makes a
0: uh, hang on I gotta say hi to Emory real quick yeah do it hey. and Adina I agree with you if you're exercising on purpose you're an athlete so, so next time Brandon answers that question about his coach he could say I'm his first athlete <laughs> um, oh that's cool my son's watching
1: uh, So, yeah, and, like, I feel that strength in my body from the, the, the weights. And I remember, dude, what happened was I remember coming down Mingus Mountain, and every time I would – and, like, dude, that – I mean, Mingus to Jerome, we can talk about that. So fuck me, dude. Uh, but I remember, like, stopping, and every time I would stop, my legs would shake. I couldn't stop them from shaking, and it was because, like, they were weak, yeah. and I, I told myself, I was like, never again, dude, never again will this happen to me in a race, and so every time I go to the gym, I think about that, like, I'm not going to let that happen again, and, I, and I, I think there is huge benefits to weight training and running.
0: So for those of you who don't know about Cocodona and Mingus down to Jerome, um, Mingus, you're at the top of the mountain. Jerome is at the bottom of the mountain. And when you leave Mingus, you are going straight downhill, and then you essentially have a rock garden that seems to be for miles oh, on end. Oh, and God, dude. It, like everybody,
1: everybody talks about, oh, the first day at Cogedona is so hard. And it
0: is. Yeah, going up Lane Mount was brutal.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. No, nobody talks about going from Mingus
0: to Jerome, dude. <laughs> it is
1: like soul crushing, dude. Like, there's still a part of me out there that I'm gonna go back and get this year, dude. Like,
0: it was. It was for me. It was my favorite section. Like, I, I got it. Oh my god! I got like a, a couple three hours sleep in the van, and when I woke up, as we're heading to leave Mingus and head downhill. The sun is was just rising, oh, right. and so it's just right on. energy, you know, energy lifting moment right there. And I went flying down Mingus, See, like I, just.
1: I left. I left at. Uh, I had. I tried to nap for one hour. Terrible sleep, and then I left at like eleven a.m. And so I went through the heat of the day, yeah. and I I got to Jerome at seven o'clock, or wait, six o'clock, and the cutoff was seven. One hour before the cutoff, that was dude. The The longest 17 miles of my entire life dude it was brutal
0: so is Jerome then when when you pulled yourself like that was the last no so what happened was I got into Jerome
1: and then I left and I made it to uh, dead horse okay and then and I left dead horse and um, I did not um, pull myself out out of the race, I got caught by the sweeper. Okay, and I can tell that whole story if you want to, because um, like I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah.
0: Dude is like, so we talk about Mingus to Jerome. I vividly remember when we left Jerome and you're going down that sketch area. There's like broken. Box. Oh god,
1: oh, <laughs> dude. That, dude, and it's like, when the fuck is this gonna end? <laughs> It was the worst, dude. It's so steep, and there's like broken glass and huge <laughs> rocks in it, dude. I was getting
0: pissed. I was angry, dude. I like because at Jerome, the A station at Jerome was phenomenal. They had taken cinnamon rolls and put them in a waffle maker. Like I was eating like a king. So I was like, okay, I just had a great section from Mingus to Jerome, eating great here now, and then we leave and we go through that broken bottle section. Oh, I dude. was like. Are you fucking kidding oh, me? Like, terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so
1: steep, dude. So sketch.
0: <laughs> so sketch. It was horrendous. Like, if if they could take out any section of that race for me, that would be it. Like, just figure out a way to get out of that steep section with the broken bottles, and we're oh, good to go. Everything,
1: yeah, dude. I, I I fell. I fell a few
0: times for sure. That was yeah. Yeah. Terrible so did you guys get warnings uh before the race about not making noise as you went through the town of jerome um no but i do
1: know that that's the thing of being very so, quiet in jerome yeah
0: when we did the race because we did the inaugural year they were like you can't even tap your poles on the oh, asphalt really? like you cannot make any noise and I was like, I don't understand why. And then I realized that probably when they were setting this whole thing up, that the town of Jerome probably thought there were going to be hundreds and thousands of people going through it all at one time. And then it turns out it's like one person every four or five hours. Yeah.
1: yeah I know Jer- I know Jerome was like a tough place to get permits or something. I think yeah. I, I heard that on a podcast yeah. or something.
0: They, they I know that like, Jameel's had you know had a hard time the first year I don't know if he still does with getting permits to go through Jerome but yeah for sure so uh, um uh, yes I did if you're asking me I did do cocadona <laughs> uh,
1: that, I think that's my son yeah you know he knows all about all about all this stuff
0: so what so what's the strategy that you're going to implore going into 2024s uh, edition of Coca-Dona based on the lessons you've learned from this year? Um,
1: so I'm going to move faster because I, I, I'm i able to run faster now. So like any runnable section, I'm going to try and run. And um, I'm not going to take any major breaks. Um, I'd like to get to Whiskey Row and sleep and i'm i would love to get there and like something under 30 hours i think and sleep and then i want to um, go all the way from there to jerome and sleep again i don't want to try and sleep on the top of mingus i just want to get that over with um but i i think for me like i had a like I changed my clothes a lot and like I like I took a shower and then like I was going to try and leave the course and go to our house and take a nap and then like what happened was I had these breaks scheduled and they started getting taken away from me um, because I didn't have time and then I was like angry with myself and like these little goals were being taken from me so going to make like more attainable goals Yeah. and also for me sleeping on the course like like a trail nap like a dirt nap is like that's where it's at for me dude and like i do really really well with like 15 minutes in the dirt and then i'll push i'll push again for two hours three hours take another little nap just quick
0: dude And so I'm going to do a lot of that. There are pictures of me all over this internet of my dirt naps all along the way through Cocodona, because every night I would get two to three hours sleep in the van, but it's not enough when you're moving for that long. And so taking those dirt naps, 15 minutes at max, they were golden. Like they were just great. And I'm like, I just, I, I have
1: a a lot more, um, it's like, you know, they always say, like, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. I have a, a a much broader understanding of what's going to happen to me in Cocodona and what I'm going to have to work through. And hopefully, I'm hoping that, that I, my feet will be tougher this next year. Because what happened was my feet just deteriorated so much earlier than I thought they would. And so I couldn't move as fast as I wanted to. And so I started falling behind on these cutoffs. Yeah. And then I, I mean, the sweeper caught me. I was sleeping in the dirt. And um, so, so uh, I'm hoping that I can at least make it to mile. Like, God, I'd love to make it to Jerome, maybe dead horse before my feet start to go. I'd Because yeah. my, my feet were starting to go when I got to crown king.
0: So, yeah, that's and, what like mile f- thirty-seven, right? Yeah, thirty-seven. Crown King's at,
1: and it's like, dude, like I've only been running for you know a little over two years. Like I don't have like a huge foundation in my body of this long distance stuff. Yeah. So,
0: uh, and, and the thing about getting the Crown King too is going up Lane Mountain is fucking brutal. Like it so, is tough. It is.
1: You know, dude. I, the first day was not. That was the best day. For for
0: me. Power to you dude. Like I'm not kidding you. I'd take like three steps and have to sit down on a rock and then take See, three more steps and sit down on a rock. I was like, if the race is like this, it ain't no way.
1: Yeah, I felt great dude until I started going up to uh Camp Keepa. That's where I started to feel like shit. Yeah. And then, then it deteriorated from there. And I knew that like my my race was probably gonna end. When I got probably to like Fane Ranch, yeah, a mile, mile ninety-seven and a half, and I, I, I was like, I, I just like, yeah, I was in way over my head, you know. Yeah. And but but it's like, you know, like we talked about, like when when you fail, like I, I, finishing that race or any of these two hundreds or whatever. Of course, it, I mean it's life changing, dude. But I think when you fail, and then you say I'm going to do this again, I think you get even more out of it. Yeah. That that life-changing experience is even more when when you fail at something.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, got my share of DNFs, and the lesson you learn from those DNFs, you know, is um, greater. Than the lessons you learn from the successes, because you tend not to think about the successes. You tend to be like, "I got it done, move on to the next thing." But when, like, what did I do wrong? What could I, dude? When
1: you when you fail, dude, um, I dwell on it, dude. I dwell on it, and every time it's like every time I'm out running now, it's like every step for me counts. Yeah. Every every step I take gets like my full energy, dude, because like I want to see that finish line. Yeah. And it's like in, in Sally McRae's documentary, she talks about, okay, we're just going to obsess with the finish line. Like, I'm obsessed with getting to Flagstaff. And I, I have to be. Like, that's the only way I'm going to get there. Because yep. I know the pain that's coming to me this year. Last year, I didn't yeah.
0: know. <laughs> it's true. Like, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, yeah. all, and you, as you go through the process, you're like, okay. And you pick up those little nuggets of wisdom. And so now. For you, between now and mile from the start to mile 140, 142, you've already processed all of that stuff because you've seen it. And yeah. so you can be like, okay, adjust here and I need to adjust there, which can help extend the race even longer. And yeah. if you're strength training and being coached and going slower to go faster, like that, all of that is going to change your experience next year at Cola for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, dude, and I just – I feel like I – I I don't even feel like I'm the same person as I was that was on the start line this last year, you know? I just – and, like, I – that's – I kind of, like, went into the Oregon Cascades where I was, like, okay, we're going to race different, dude. We're going to be confident. Like, you know what you're doing out here. You know your abilities. And, like, I finished that race strong, dude. And I got done, and I easily, like, if I – could have had someone there to take take my foot up do do my feet eat take an hour nap i easily not easily but like i could have ran that course backwards like i could have kept going and so i know that i have these these 200 mile races in me yeah
0: and i think the thing that you talked about earlier is also a learning uh example for you which is i don't need to have all the pacers and all the crew no. like that's so if i can lessen that stress I can also now go long.
1: and the other thing I learned about myself was that it, I don't it, it was hard for me to like accept the help it, it sounds weird but like I would get to an aid station and sit down and I have like three or four people around me like what can I get you what and it's like I'm like I was like overwhelmed yeah. you know and it's like um and then all these people are taking time out of their life to help me and and then I fail and it's like those are things I think Think about now. I, I carry that with me, like you know, like Cocodona didn't just end in in the desert for me on that mm-hmm. morning. Like it, it is still with me, like it, and it's like I can't wait to get back there. You know,
0: are you uh, are you and your coach looking at any events uh, between now and uh, Cokadona, or is the sole focus going to be on Cocodona?
1: I I asked him about the this 50 mile race in November I want to do and uh we haven't like discussed it too much and then I have not asked I have not told him yet that I want to go do my own 100 mile thing out in the uh out on the Hell's Bells course. Uh so I we'll, we'll see what he thinks about that. But he he's racing Cocodona too this
0: year. Oh, that's cool. So,
1: so yeah, that's cool. It's cool he will have somebody heat start like. Uh, he has um, psoriatic arthritis. Oh, really? And, yeah, he, he's done the Bigfoot 200, and um, I paced him. He did 100 miles this summer. I paced him for uh, 50K of that. And so he's he's a badass, dude. So he'll be at Cocodona. We'll too. have to get get him on the show, too, to tell his story. Uh, the, yeah, the runner-plumber, dude. If you watch this,
0: man, we need to right. we wanna hear. Somebody
1: tell me what his real name is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the e- email comes across as the runner plumber at blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I just call
1: him plumber. Everyone just calls him plumber now.
0: I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, man, really appreciate you joining us. But before we let you go, we got to go through our, our fun food uh, section of the show. You ready? Yeah, awesome. awesome. So Oreos, are you going old school Oreo classic or are you going double stuff? Oh, I like the double stuff. You uh, sure. Licorice. Uh, Is, are you a fan of licorice?
1: If, if it's like red licorice and it's gotta be like so, soft enough, you know? So like, like the, I can
0: red vines? I'll, I'll, I'll eat
1: red vines or yeah, the other the other kind that, um Twizzlers. Yeah, but it's it's gotta be like soft enough. If I if it's not dude I I spit it out. It's gotta be like perfect.
0: What about peeps? Are you a fan of peeps? No. Total I do not like I do not like peeps. We're coming up on Halloween, so candy corn is now on all of the shelves. Are you a a fan of candy corn? Yes. I love candy corn. I I love it. Why? It's like like candle wax covered in sugar, dude.
1: (laughs) I don't know, dude. I don't know why it gets such a bad rap. I think it's good.
0: (laughs) Cheryl, you're right. Nobody likes candy corn. (laughs) That's funny. Peanut butter or nut butter, whichever one in case you have allergies, are you going creamy? Or crunchy? Uh, uh, creamy. Creamy. All right, so if you're going to make a, a nut butter and jelly sandwich, do you put the jelly and the nut butter on one slice of bread and then slam the other one over, or do you put jelly on one slice, peanut butter on the other, and then push them together? That's how – yeah, dude, I I do not like mixing them. <laughs> and then, <laughs> But you do realize when you put them
1: together, they I, I know, dude, but it's like, I don't know, it's something about like the – Peanut butter and the jelly being on the knife together. I'm like, <laughs> this is fucking, this is disgusting. I'm not eating this.
0: So you are anti goober. You remember goober?
1: Oh, oh yeah, dude. Playing the same. Yeah. J- no thanks. But I do like I eat a very unhealthy amount of peanut butter.
0: So. <laughs> so when you make your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, do you cut it in half vertically? Do you cut it in half and then half again for four squares diagonally? Or diagonal. Two- always, for- di- always diagonal. Two triangles or four, four triangles? Just two. Just two triangles. Yeah. And then and then you just eat it regularly, no problem. Like you don't turn the bread any particular way. You just shovel it all in your face hole. Uh, I eat it from
1: one of the, you know, the sliver ends, or always that to the other end. We but have... I never, I would never take a bite out of the middle so, of it, dude. So that's I'm...
0: exactly. Right. So we had a guest on one of it's our. That's
1: like, like eating pizza with a fork. You <laughs>
0: blocked and reported if you eat pizza dude, with a fork. Like blocked get out. Block. <laughs> we had a we had a guest on who said that she cut her peanut butter and jelly sandwich in half, and then turned the bread and literally ate it like corn on the cob. So because she didn't eat the crusts, so she ate it like corn on the cob. Oh really? Yeah. Dude, I love people. I find them fascinating. Their eating habits are hilarious. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Are you a fan of red velvet cake, or do you think it's just bougie chocolate cake with red food dye? No, I I like it,
1: dude. I think it's it's uh, I can't say th- it's kind of uh, uh, top shelf, dude. Top shelf. <laughs> it
0: makes we're, you feel special. Where does just- <laughs> carrot cake fall in the uh, area of cake? Oh.
1: I like that. That's one of my favorite kind of
0: cakes. Are you? If, if, what's that? Are you gonna put, do? You put raisins in the carrot uh, cake. I'll
1: eat it, dude. I'll I'll eat it, but it's not my favorite. Without
0: raisins, without raisins With, is better. Yeah, for sure.
1: What are your top,
0: top three candy
1: choices? Oh, dude, I like the little uh, mini Reese cups. You know the the small yep. ones. Um And then those Andes mints yes. and then nutter butters. Those are my nice. three favorites.
0: That's a good call. Yeah. We always ask pineapple on pizza. Is that a yay or a nay? Yeah. I like yeah. It. yeah. So we're good. gonna ignore that for now. So the other question we started asking is do you put pineapple on a burger? Would you put pineapple on a burger? Like if it's prob- if it's like a teriyaki hamburger, then I
1: would, but not a regular one. Although dude I did try peanut butter on a hamburger the other night and it was fucking bomb dude <laughs> never had it before it was good what if
0: it was crunchy what if it was crunchy peanut butter no, no good
1: no, I don't, <laughs> dude, so the reason I don't like that is because I have a, a retainer on like the, the bottom of my t- okay. and those little, little chunks of peanuts dude will get stuck in there oh. and if I, eat, if I eat that in a race it'll be stuck in there for hours They're like the perfect size to get
0: stuck in there. So do you know like the Bobo's oat bars? You ever see those? Uh Uh-uh. It's a company called Bobo's, and they make like these oat bars and these oat things. And I love them. Like I can eat one every single day, no problem. But like you, like the oats get stuck in my teeth, and like four hours later, like I'm still picking at it. Like that shit gets stuck. It's like
1: Yeah, dude, and your tongue gets like little scrapes on it. Yeah. And yeah, dude, and then, like, the sores from all the fucking electrolytes it makes it like, just awful feeling,
0: dude. So get this, at Coca-Dona, I was using spring energy, like, because, like you said, there's a ton of calories in them. And after, like, the first day, day and a half, I had so many sores in my mouth from that shit that I had, I couldn't take it anymore. And so what I started doing is at the aid stations, I'd ask them to pour instant oatmeal in a Ziploc bag for me with a little bit of water, and I just made uh, oatmeal mush, and then I would just squeeze it out into my mouth, and dude, that's all I ate for the entire race. Because
1: I got, got
0: terrible sores. Yeah. it's from Is it from spring? I don't, I don't know if it's from spring, or just the sugars that you know, you're know you constantly taking in, but it was awful
1: for me, and, the, and so. The, the other thing, dude, that I have to be careful with spring is, dude, I don't, I don't know if anyone else has this problem, but it makes you go to the bathroom, dude. <laughs> And it's, like, it's, like, it's not, like, hey, i got to, like, go, like, when I can. It's, like, now, now, dude. Like, I'm, like, and I was trying to explain this to my girlfriend the other day about how, like, when you're running and
0: you have to poop, it's, like, it's now, dude. Yeah. There is no waiting. There is no trying to find the right tree. Like, it's right now.
1: And because I told her, like, in Cocodona, like, I got, like, when I went through my pack, it was like, dude, there was like blood. There was like, um, there was like shit on it, dude. Like, and I, she's like, how does this happen? And I'm like, well, it's like, it's like, I'm going now, like in the middle of this gravel road, like I'm going or dude, like, I mean, I, whatever. I mean, people on Instagram know me. I'll just tell this story. I So at the Oregon Cascades, uh, it was like midnight or something. And I had to go to the bathroom. And so like, I was going and then like I had like there was like a tree tree branch under me that so like it all went on a tree branch so it, it like went all over me and so but it had gotten all over my my lakey glove and so I got to the I got to the aid station dude and I like threw all my shit on the ground and I'm like eating some soup and she's like picking up the laundry and i'm like oh be careful with that glove babe it's got shit on it and she's like oh uh so should i just throw it away and i'm like no those are expensive we will wash this this is it's gonna happen again and again and again
0: (laughs) trail runners are a different breed dude Dude. So, so the first thing you need to make sure you pack for all you newbie trail runners is make sure you pack a shit kit. Like, you have to pack a shit kit in your vest. And then, you. All, for me, the key is always being able to find a fallen log that you can hang your dude, ass over there. A fallen log? Oh,
1: hang on, dude. I don't want to forget my son is... My son wants you to know that he paced me from Fane Ranch.
0: That's awesome. She, uh, sure. No,
1: he left... Uh, Emory took me from... Uh, um, Whiskey Row goes to uh, what is at the what's the at the end of uh, Granite Dells? What aid station? Oh, dude, I Iron, can't remember. Iron, Iron King, Iron King, Defain Ranch, Emery paced me for that section, and uh, I I was hallucinating pretty bad, but I remember like some of it. But he he wants you guys to know that. So Thank
0: you. good job, Emery. Yeah, but yeah all Tree is awesome. It's the best.
1: Oh yeah, dude. Dude, it's, it's the best, and it, I don't know, yeah, so I'll
0: tell you, you so story. I was racing Rocky Raccoon, which is in Huntsville, Texas, and I had always wanted to break 19 hours at this event, and it's uh, four 25-mile loops, and on the third loop, I'm, I'm on pace. I'm on pace to break 19 hours. Like, I am fucking flying through this course, and like you said, when you have to shit at it, like running, you have to go and I get to this fallen log, and I'm sitting on the edge of it, and the park ranger is in a golf cart. He comes driving by, right? And he's like, hey, are you all right? And here I am hanging off my ass off the edge of the log, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I guess you
1: are. Just keep
0: talking,
1: yeah, bye. And dude, it's like, because uh, it started happening to me on my way up to Camp Kipa, and like we had this like group text message going, to the to my crew and I was like I can't stop pooping I can't stop pooping I think I'm sick and they were like no this is like this happens like you're fine it'll (laughs) it'll pass so it's like I spent the next 20 miles dude like just
0: Uh, miserable miserable (laughs) (laughs) let's get us back on track yeah you have to eliminate one from your food intake. Are you eliminating sweet food or are you eliminating savory food? Uh, while I'm racing, no. no. Period. Ah. Uh, you can only eat sweet
1: food for the rest uh, of your life, or you- dude, I would probably get rid of sweet.
0: food. Yeah, me, yeah. me too, for sure. Yeah. So you can make things up with savory food. Dude wipes is right. ho, double zero. Oh, wipes is right. Yeah, dude. I, make sure
1: you. Dude I wipes. Carry,
0: I- carry a ton of those pop tarts frosted or unfrosted i like
1: unfrosted really
0: yeah. oh i like i just like
1: the the crust any like crust type stuff i like
0: tuna salad egg salad or potato salad
1: oh, potato salad dude for sure
0: and what's in it what's in the potato salad that that's gonna make it utopia for you uh uh, ju- uh
1: just honestly dude i would be all right with just Potatoes and maybe like a little bit of bacon or something. Nice. I don't don't
0: need. I don't need much in there. Last question for you: chocolate chip or oatmeal cookie? Oatmeal raisin
1: cookie. Oh, chocolate
0: chip, dude, for sure. Hands down.
1: Hands down, dude, for sure.
0: Soft, or like hard, like. Soft, the chewy kind. Soft. Awesome. I just yeah, dude. Like like I like anything soft. Yeah. Oh, so then let me ask you this: so on, on a brownie. Are you taking the edge pieces, no, like or the middle. T- like the middle? Uh, are you cutting the pan in the yes. middle and digging one out? Yes,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> You're that guy. <laughs> I will eat uh, the edge
1: pieces, dude. I'll eat those last. <laughs>
0: dude, dude, thank you so much for coming uh, on the hey, show. I really.
1: I I am that guy. Every once in a while, at work when I'm tattooing, I will take our stencil paper and like it's like a bigger than a normal piece of paper and i'll put a little tiny design right in the middle of it and cut that out and leave the rest of the paper
0: <laughs> your uh, your uh artist mates must really yeah. love that yeah dude that, yeah I, yeah so <laughs> all right man we'll have you on the show again really appreciate your time thank you so much uh, yeah dude it was, was black. yeah thank you we'll talk to you again soon okay okay have a good you, night right, bye, bye.